that you are relaxed wherever you might be right now in your kitchen, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you're watching from, I just hope that you're relaxed and that God will um, speak to your hearts this morning. So, Father God, I just want to thank you that you are here with us this morning. Thank you that you are here in this house, of the Thiria's house, God, and you are here with us as we speak to you, as you speak, as you allow us um, to share your word, God. I pray for everyone who's watching right now and who maybe will watch in a little bit later. Um, God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray that the message that you put on our hearts this week would go straight to their hearts, God, and that um, we would move lives, you would move hearts, you would, um, yeah, you would breathe life, God. We thank you that um, you are here, God, as, as we worship this morning. You are here, God, and we don't have to be afraid of anything. Even if we are alone, if we are with friends and family, God, you are with us, Lord. And so we thank you that you are here today um, and that you will, you will speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to just share some uh, little testimony with you from... Um, about my life. <laughs> um, in 2016, I decided to stop working in the secular world and go on and work um, in the mission field. So um, to, to do intense missions, and I joined an intense missions training program. Um, and I was ready to do all the things that I saw missionaries do in books and in TV shows and everything. And when I got there, the training was beautiful. It was really good. Um, but then after the training... It was like, what now? What do I do now with my life? Everyone else around me, all my fellow colleagues um, who were doing the same work as me, were so busy, were so on fire, but I was not. So there had to be something that was wrong with me, right? Because clearly I didn't have the skills and the talents and the um, ideas that they had because we were all had the same more or less job description, but yet I was had so much free time on my hand, more than I was told I would have. The same thing happened to me when I moved to Portugal um, two years ago, and I was told to only study Portuguese. So boy, <laughs> it's a great language, guys. Sorry to all the Portuguese people, and I'm glad that I took those um, intense times to 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 intentional time to study um, Portuguese. But I really felt useless. I felt like I was yeah halfway across the globe from where I, I grew up. And I was just, I don't know, like sitting at a desk all day. I wasn't engaging with the Portuguese people. I wasn't engaging with the people group that I thought I had come here for. And I just felt, again, useless. And started to, I started to go in the spiral of there's no value in me, in the work that I'm doing. Why did I do this? Come on, God, like surely there must be more. And I went into the spiral of, um, self-pity and disappointment, etc., etc. And um, a few weeks ago, no, yeah, a few weeks ago, after Sunday service, I started feeling the same thing. I so I went home. It's not because the message was bad, yeah, or because these guys here yeah, were mean to me or anything. They're actually very nice, but <laughs> I just started to feel like, come on, like. I come every Sunday to the Feria house and I don't do much, you know, like maybe I switch the slides or I do, I turn the camera, sometimes I let it fall, but it wasn't really, it wasn't that much, you know, and I felt so, once again, I started feeling so useless and like, 
I started comparing myself, looking at, at Pedro and Jamil and Gabby and Ruben and all of the talents that God has given them and then comparing myself to what has God given me. And, um, and even the people back home that I was talking to in South Africa, like all the opportunities that they were getting to live out their God-given purpose, even during the time of quarantine, and I, and I felt like I was not, even though I love babysitting Jade, but that was all that I was doing every Sunday. Um, and I started to go into this well of disappointment and self-pity. And I don't know if you feel the same way, especially now during quarantine, like you are stuck in this box, you know, some of us are more stuck than others, but you feel like you can't live out your God-given gifts and talents. I know that my team from the hospitality must be suffering so much because there's no one to welcome and to love and to make pancakes for the people who are usually on the sound desk. There's no, there's no switching and mixing and whatever you guys do on the sound desk. There's no opportunity for you to live out your what you feel is your God-given talents and gifts during this time of quarantine. And when I was starting to go in this little well of self-pity and disappointment, I was abruptly stopped when I read this passage in Matthew 25 about the parable of the bags of gold, or more commonly known about the um, bags of the talents, the parable of the talents. Um, and and that's what I want to share with, with us today. That's what we want to share this week with you, um, because this is what God has put on my heart. This is how God has um, helped me to stop living in this world of lies that I constantly go down. And, and we want to explore two very similar parables. There's one in Luke 19, and the other one is in Matthew 25. And they're two very similar parables, um, but told at different times to two different crowds. And we just want to unwrap that and see how that can um, answer those fears that you might, that I was having and that you might have as well about how can you be used generally, but also especially now during this time of quarantine. Yeah. Right, so... Like today said, we are going to study both parables, one in Luke, and while I explain, you can start opening your Bibles in Luke chapter 19. And what the exercise that we're going to do this morning is we'll have these two very similar parables in parallel, similar parables in parallel, and we will try to understand what are the small differences in both stories that Jesus told, and how do what the audience that Jesus told them, how would they understood that parable, but how it applies to us today. And like Jodé just said, especially in this time of quarantine, what is relevant for us to teach during these crazy different times? And we've been praying in a group, and the other day we had um, a meeting on Zoom. Ruben and Gabby called a meeting with the leaders of the small groups that have been gathering this week. And it was very interesting to, to hear them saying, we have been learning something different and it will not be the same when we go back. And the groups have been starting, for them, the prayer group. We never had a prayer group that would physically meet every day. But now through Zoom, we are everyday meeting. And this is working in our prayer lives, for example. So what does God want to teach us today? And especially what God wants to do with the gifts and talents that he gave us. So after this long uh, introduction on my side, I hope Luke 19 is already open. And we will read, um, we'll read the whole parable, and then we'll divide the parable uh, into different teachings. So the parable starts on verse 11. So we are going to read together from Luke 19, verse 11 to 27. 
the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king explained. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with a little. I entrust it to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from his servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But Master they replied, He already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as, far, and as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. So Jesus tells this parable, and uh, the parable starts with a story of a king that is going uh, to, be, um, to receive kingly power. We need to understand a little bit the context of this. Um, 40 years before Jesus, Herod the Great, so the same king that was ruling Judea, the same king that was there when Jesus was born, he had traveled to Rome in order to receive kingly power over the area of Judea. So the Roman Empire had these characteristics. They were ruling all over the Mediterranean, but they allowed local kings to um, rule their local um, um, places. They allowed the, still the, the, the local uh, religions and doctrines and beliefs to, um, to continue, still under the Roman Empire. But there was still this uh, form of um, independency or way of keeping also their traditions. So, so when Herod goes to Rome, um, he is successful and he receives kingly power. And so under Rome authority, he is still the king of that area. But a few years after... Uh, there was a dispute between his two sons, and one of them also goes to Rome to receive kingly power, arguing his case against his, the other brother. But he is not successful. He is actually um, banished and humiliated. So Jesus uses a political scene that is familiar to uh, the ones that were hearing this parable. So there is this guy, there is this king that goes on a dangerous trip to receive uh, 
to receive kingly power and then he will return or not return, right? So when this king goes on verse 13, he says, while I am gone, engage in or invest, let me read the, the verse, um, invest this for me while I'm gone. So what the master or the nobleman gives to each of his uh, servants, he gives them one pound of silver. Now, one pound of silver it was equivalent to 100 days of uh, a working uh, a day's wage, right? So almost three, four months of working. So it was a good quantity. And the master gives a good quantity to each of his ten servants and says, engage in trade until I come. What can we take at least from this um, introduction of the parable? For us, Jesus is this king who went to heaven and he promised that one day he will come back. And while he is gone or not physically here with us, he also gave us uh, talents and gifts. So some might say, okay, those gifts that are in the parable to nowadays, we, they symbolize faith, hope, and love, the vital components of the uh, salvation that we received by grace. The Bible also develops in several passages the spiritual gifts that are given us uh, by God. For example, one of the passages in Romans 12, Paul develops uh, the idea of if you have the uh, specific gift that God has given you, invest on it. So he says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in according with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So there is this idea of what God spiritually gives us. Now there are uh, fruits of the Spirit that we can say that they show our maturity, the faith, uh, the love, the kindness, the impatience, and that shows the maturity we have as believers growing in connection in relationship with God. But there's the gifts of the Spirit that shows our ministry. And by our ministry means what are the talents that God gave us in order for us to minister and to serve the others. So, so far, we are in this parable where we have a king that is away and has given talents to his servants. And we have the promise of Jesus that went to heaven and one day will return. And during the time being, he gave us gifts and talents to be in use. And I think it's just interesting that you mentioned when the, when the noble Noble nobleman went away and he, he went to make himself a king. There was a risk involved because no one knew that he would actually, if he would actually come back or not. And in one of these cases, he actually didn't come back. And so in the, in the parable, the, the nobleman says um, to make use of this in my, in, basically in my name. He's giving his own wealth for his servants to use in his own name. And whether he comes back or not, that would be a, a test of their faith whether they are with him or not. And in the same way, we are, when Jesus goes away, Jesus is not physically with us right now. Um, he's gone and he's going to come back as a king. And what are we doing with that, with our, our gifts and, and talents right now while we wait for him? Are we using it for ourselves or are we using it in his name? And 
It's a risk that we, in, in a sense, you know, we, we believe that Jesus is coming back, but it's a risk because how many times have we read that disaster is upon us and he's coming back now and he didn't. So even now people are saying because of all this pandemic that's happening, he's coming back now. And, you know, maybe not, we don't know. But, and, and so I just wanted to, to add that, that sometimes we do this, it's a risk that you take, but um, it's, um, it's part of your faith that you, you do that. And I just want to compare, in comparison to, to Luke 19, in Matthew 25, um, we, we read a very similar parable. Um, like I said, it was told at a different time and to a different crowd, but also told by Jesus. I mean, we're not going to read it, but I would like you to take a note and you can read it on your own time. But basically, instead, the, the, the nobleman also goes on a journey and entrusts his wealth with his servants. But this time, instead of entrusting equal amounts to everyone, like he did in Luke 19, this time he entrusts th- uh, different amounts to three different servants. To the one servant, he gives five uh, bags of gold. To, an- to another, he gives three, two. And to a, uh, another, to a third one, he gives one bag of gold. And we could ask ourselves, why would he give it uh, different amounts? Wouldn't it be uh, more fair and more even if he had just given them the same amounts and then judged them based on their returns? It makes so much more sense to have an even playing field. You all start at the same line on a race and you run and then you can see who wins first and that's the, the best servant, right? But life is unfair. Every one of us have been given different amounts of talents some have been given more opportunities, more um, privileges and gifts, whereas the, some, of, some others of us are, are looking at others and thinking, I wish I had what they had um, and not acknowledging what we, we have ourselves. It's true that um, in life, you, you will have um, be given, some of us might be given a raw deal in our own perspective, in our own eyes. And... Um, but you know what? God is not about leveling up the playing field. He's not here to say, okay, let's all start at the same point and then let's see how far you can get and then see who's the winner. He's not about um, making the, the, yeah, evening out things for all of us. All that he's asking us is to use what we've been given, whether that might be five bags of gold, three bags of gold, or only one. It's important to note that even the one who got one he still got one. He wasn't given nothing. And that's the same for all of us. Every one of us has something to give. It might be less than your neighbor, your, your brother, but it's still something. And it doesn't matter if you, like, I just think of my own life and my, my own family. Some of us might think that, oh, because she grew up in this beautiful house with a beautiful family, she's been given a, a better deal. No, me and my brother, we, are, we grew up in the same house with the same parents, went to the same schools, but still we have different gifts. We have different opportunities, and we, we grab those opportunities in a different way, in a different manner. And, and so it doesn't matter, you know, necessarily that you are in the same house or in a different house, but it's, it's individuals as God has given you as an individual, and all he wants to know is what are you going to do with what you've been given. And it's also important to note that in verse 14 of Matthew 25, it says that um, the master entrusted his wealth to them. That it's not the, that he's, he gave of their own things to them. It was the master's wealth that he gave to them to, and entrusted them to do something with that. Yeah. So the master is sovereign in, in deciding how much he wants to give. 
And because it's a free gift, the master has the sovereignty to say, I want to give more to you and to the other. And it's not unfair because it's still a gift that the master gives. Mm-hmm. Back to Luke uh, 19, but actually the, the same idea. And Jodeto touched touch a little bit on this. So the master is gone and they knew that this trip was dangerous. Even though the master promised that he would return, the servants would probably still be afraid if he was going to return or not from this, from this dangerous um, uh, journey. Yet, what the master asks them is, while I'm gone, engage in trade. So with this command, the master wants to know two things from his servant. First, are you willing to take the risk to openly declare yourselves to be my loyal servants in a world that might oppose me? Mm-hmm. So while the master was gone and the servants did not know if he was going to be successful, what the master is looking is, while I'm gone, will you openly declare that you are my um, servants? If the trip had gone bad and the master would be um, 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 uh, banished or even killed or humiliated, his servants would follow the same road. So they would be in danger as well, depending on the fate of his master. So he wants to know, are you willing to open declare your faith? And the second thing, because of a position, they would probably have to pay a high price during that time. We ourselves are asked the same question by God. How willing are we to publicly share our faith, to expose ourselves as Christians, as followers of God, to expose our talents, to develop those talents and to to share with the people around us the things that God has given us. Especially in times where we might face opposition. I was speaking with a brother from the church this last week and asking, how are you? How's been your week and everything? And he said something interesting. He said, actually, he's been a bit of a weird week. So him in his country, he was heavily persecuted because of his faith and he was put into prison. And the, the day he was sentenced to die because of prison was the 22 or 23 of April. He eventually escaped from prison. So on the 27th of April, when I was talking to him, he said, you know, if I was still in prison, by now I was supposed to be dead. But now I am alive. So for me, this is a bit <laughs> weird. And thank God he's still alive. And, but because of his faith, he was put to death. Now, we don't probably need to go to such an extreme situation. Think of our context here in Portugal, way simpler, way peaceful. And sometimes we are afraid to be to expose our pub- publicly our faith to our Lord, the one we trust um, when we face such small opposition. So again, in the parable, the master challenges his servants to be boldly, to live boldly and publicly, using the resources that the master has gave them, unafraid of their enemies, and confident in the promise that the master has given that he will return. Verse 15 then says, the master actually returned. Let me read again. Verse 15. After he was crowned king, he was successful in his trip, he returned and he called his servants in whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. Um, actually, the correct translation of he wanted to find out what were the gains, a more correct translation of this verse is he wanted to know how much business they have traded. 
and this is a small difference but is important because again the master needs nothing he has many possessions and he's not greedy or in need of more uh, thing so what he actually asks is from what i gave you how much did you put into trade i don't care how much you want from it i want to know how much did you did you put it and that makes the whole difference between the attitude that the master has with his servants the master is seeking to discover the extent to which they have been publicly declaring their loyalty to the master so this the extent of this obedience according to then what the the, the servants reply is is what the, the master then um, distinguishes the master is not looking for the prophets but he's looking for faithfulness courage public faithfulness and again god is self-sufficient he's self-existent and he doesn't need us for god to be more happy or more complete mm. but by his grace he gave us the privilege to enjoy and participate in his creation and he gave us mm. talents he wired us with gifts and he says use them use what i i gave you many times we are we evaluate ourselves with this world view of how much or how much successful am i being even with the gifts that god gave us by the amount of things that we do with it we don't even earn our salvation by the good deeds that we can do it god doesn't again gets impressed or says thank you for doing that because uh, i haven't done mm -hmm. so again what god asks us is with the resources that he's given us be faithful mm -hmm. put them into action faithfully for the advance of the kingdom and that's what the master commands both of his servants when in luke he says you gave me um uh, ten um you gave me um, a silver uh, pound i used it fully and he doesn't say oh thank you for making so much he says you were faithful you are a good uh, servant <laughs> i've had to realize that it's not about how much i've been given but how much am I doing with what I've been given? Because, and while right now, while as Peter has already explored, while the, the, the master is gone, while Jesus is not physically with us right now, we have been given a mandate to fulfill his purpose, to do something on earth with what he's given us, with the resources that he's given us, no matter how big or how small that is. I want to look at Mark 12, verse 41 to 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. If you missed it, it's Mark 12, verse 41 to 44. And in, in, in the temple, there was the, it said that there were 13, um, 
treasuries or, or vases or, or bowls. bowls that you could drop your your offerings in, and it was it was there so that the worshippers could just drop their their coins in. And I can imagine that when you gave a lot of money, it would make a lot of noise. Clink, 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 clink. You know how when the offering basket comes around in the church and you can hear your your coin <laughs> clinging. And I imagine a lot of it clink, 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 and this poor old lady. No, so let me go back. So if you put a lot of it in, and, and I can imagine that when you put a lot of it in, you, you had a sense of like pride, like everyone's hearing, wow, look how much yeah. I've given. Like I made a lot and I'm giving a lot. But this poor old woman, she only had two, it says here, it says very tiny coins. And so she put these two tiny coins in. Could hardly hear it. But Jesus was impressed by this. Jesus thought this poor lady, this poor old woman, and 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 we know that in, in, in the times of the Bible that widows they were ones they were they were of the ones who suffered the most and struggled a lot with um, their wealth and their income. And she but she gave what everything that she had and um, and she didn't care about how embarrassed or how she would look in front of the other people. All she cared about was worshipping God and giving all that she had to, that belonged to him. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12, it says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So I think that this is very important for us to just, what do we have? And what are we going to do with what we have? What are we going to give God? Of what we have. When we continue to read Matthew 25 in the parable, when we see when the when the masters come back and he wants to know what the servants have done with their wealth, um, for two of them he says this this line, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Imagine you coming to God and God saying, "Well done, Jode." my good and faithful servant. I long to hear those words. And I hope that if during my lifetime, I am honoring God so much that when I come, when I meet him face to face, face to face, I will hear those words. I think that um, the, the, these two servants, they were also given two different amounts of, of bags of gold, but yet they worked proportionally as hard. The one was given five and produced five more. The one was given two and produced two more. So they proportionally worked well. I can imagine that the one with five bags, he looked at what his, his opportunities, his gifts, and his um, situation, and he thought, okay, I'm going to use this for God, and I'm going to work at all that I have for my master. And the same with the second guy. He looked at his two bags, and he said, oh, he's got more than me, but it doesn't matter. I have what I, something, and I'm going to use it for God and for his, um, for his goodness. Because God has asked us to do things for him and to work everything that we do as if unto God. The, that servant with the, with the two bags, he looked at those two bags and he was faithful. He and both of them were rewarded for their faithfulness. Um, still, when another note when the, the, the servants reply to the master, it's so interesting that the servant says, your pound has made or has produced much, rather than said, my work has achieved. So he, even here, the servants are showing humility because they are recognizing that what they have received yeah. was a free gift from God and is that gift that actually produced uh, something. Mm -hmm. And so 
how we, we then can see when the master sees the servant's attitude, sees how they understand their position when they are not proud and they receive from the master and they applied and they there was effort from the cyber. They recognized that the source of everything was actually the master, how much they are being then rewarded and recognized by, by the master. In like manner, Paul says, I planted the seed in your hearts. Paul watered it, but it was God who made it grow. What's important is what God actually does, what God makes the seed grow. And each shall then be rewarded for their hard work. In the same way, we as a church, as a community, as a body, as a family, have different gifts, different talents, different amount of gifts and different amount of talents. But God gave us. How are we going to put our effort in order to advance his kingdom? So let's move on. What was then the reward that the servants got from God? The reward for faithfulness was greater responsibilities. They were not given a generous pension. They were not given a vacation uh, or a villa in the sea. But the master says, because you were faithful, now I'm going to give you even more responsibilities. Um, I'm going to reward you with that and put you in the place of honor. Um, and when we think of practical terms, we have to go back to the example of baby Jade. She gives, she, <laughs> we can use her for many examples, <laughs> right? But when, um, when she's crawling, she likes to go crawl and, and, and touch the, the, the wires, cables. the electrical cables, and it's so dangerous. And when she gets a computer charger, she puts it in the mouth. And now we laugh a lot because who puts a computer charger in, in her mouth? What does that taste of? But when she, would, when she gets older, it would still be very weird if she gets computer charges in her mouth, right? So eventually, when she gets older and more mature, Ruben and Gabby will understand she doesn't put computer charges in her mouth, mm-hmm. and eventually she will get a computer, right? Because she has maturity enough to deal with a computer. Game by her godparents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's recording. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just the same thing with God, right? He, according to the proportion of our maturity, or how much we, or how much that maturity is reflected in what we do in in our faithfulness, God will then give us more responsibilities. We grow and God rewards us with, with that. And, um, and now we will look at the third servant. The third servant had a completely different attitude and then what the master told about him and the consequences of him were completely different. Mm-hmm. If we look at the story, the third um, guy in both of these stories, in both of these parables in Luke and in Matthew 25, um, he didn't have an attitude of faith. He had an attitude of, um, he just wanted to keep what, he, what the master had given him safe because he was afraid, because he was scared to, to waste it, to, um, I don't know what actually, why he, would, he was afraid, but... He didn't have an attitude of, of, of serving his master. All he could think of was to keep safe what he's been given. And I myself can think of many times when I acknowledged my gifts and my opportunities and my situation, and I dismissed them because I thought that someone else could do it better than me. 
I still have this memory when I was in children's church and I'd come a little bit too early and they were in, in some room practicing children's choir and some random boy came to me. I don't know him. He wasn't my friend. I didn't have a lot of friends in, in children's church. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's all cry. <laughs> but, but just to say, like, it wasn't like my friend coming to give me a handout. It was a random person, a random little boy who came to me and said, do I want to join the children's choir? And I immediately just said, no, thank you. And it's not that I'm saying, you know, I've got this amazing voice. Most of you know that I do not. So it's not that I'm saying that I have an amazing voice, that I'm a hidden talent and I should have used it for God. But no, someone was giving me an opportunity to worship God, to, to use, not like they had an impressive choir. It was a small local kids choir who just needed cute little kids to hold a note. And I'm sure I made the cute category. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but anyway, point was that I dismissed that I had this opportunity to, to worship God. And I decided instead of me going and worshiping God in public and declaring my faith, I would just go home and wash the dishes in my private space and sing to God there. And, um, and I dismissed this opportunity. I took my bag of gold that God had given me and I put it in my pocket. I hid it. I took it back home, and I just used it when I felt like it. And I, and and it's it's a pity. I'm not saying that I would be able to sing in great choirs and things, but there was an opportunity that God had given me to worship Him publicly, and I had not taken it. And I want to ask you: Can you think of gifts that God has given you, and you put it in a hole that you've dug, and you have to ask yourself: Is it still there? This third guy. He had his reasons for, for not using his, his talents that the, um, the master gave him. In fact, his reasons was that the master was too powerful and was, um, had, he was too shrewd and could, could do all these things on his own. He was basically saying that the master was so powerful, the master didn't need him. And he was blaming the, the master for his own laziness. And so many times we do that as well. We think that God, is, God doesn't need me. God is way too powerful to use this little tiny Jode, little tiny Pedro in this world to make a difference in his creation. But it's true, you know, God is powerful and God does not need us, but he chooses to use us. And I think that is what is important. God chooses to use us every day. When we wake up, he thinks, go Jode, you can do this for me, you can do that. You can. And he chooses to say that I can be part of his kingdom. And what a privilege and what an opportunity that is for me to serve in his kingdom and to get closer to him and to know him more and more. Again, I want to ask you, can you think of any gifts that God has given you, any opportunities or um, privileges that God has given you that you've dug a hole, put that in there? Is it still there? Can you go and dig it out? And just to echo what Jodeo was saying, um, the third servant, he didn't understand his master's character. So he failed big time when he actually, and not purposely, but he insulted the master, say, because you are this way, maybe you don't need me, so you don't need these talents, you don't need that, I invest. And so I didn't act. And he misunderstood the master. And that's what the master says, from your own words, I'm now uh, charging you because you don't understand who I am. And it's, it's again, this detail. God actually doesn't need us for God to be more complete, but he wants to use us. Mm. And so when we understand better God and his mindset and that he wants to give us this privilege to be part of this kingdom, then we put into action what he gives us. And so the third servant is left with his 
self-created, distorted vision of what his master was. And he lost it completely mm -hmm. because of that. So the way we live influences how we see God. And the way we see God influences the way we live. Yeah. If we have also a self-created and distorted perception of who God is, the results of that will be unfaithfulness, meaning not using what God and the potential that God is actually giving us to advance his kingdom. So may we seek more and more God and may we get to know this Jesus, our master, better. And while our master is gone for a while, but we know that he will return. He said so himself that he will come back. He, while he's gone, he's entrusted his wealth with us. And it is true that, yes, some of us have more wealth than others. Some of us have more gifts and opportunities than others. I mean, I am one to speak. I'm sitting in a room with people who can preach and sing and babysit things and, <laughs> and do a lot of things. And each of them can play an instrument. And I'm just the one changing the slides. So I know. <laughs> what it's like to to feel that I have less opportunities or less gifts than other people but I have to tell myself all the time it's not a I need to take my focus off the things that I cannot change and put my focus on the things that I can change just to focus on the things that I do have and yeah. to ask myself how can I use that for yeah. God's glory and just because I'm we're sharing this today it's not that I have I, I have I'm not going to go through what, what I introduced in the beginning. I'm not going to go through those spirals of, oh, I'm so sad and so this and that. I probably will go through that again. Poor <laughs> Pedro. <laughs> but I have to remind myself that it's, I have to remind myself of this parable, that I cannot blame the unfairness of what I've been given um, and blame God for my laziness or blame God for not using what he's given me um, every day of my life. I actually, when I was going through this little spiral, I made a list of everything that God has given me and every opportunity that I've, I have right now. Even in this quarantine, I, I made a list of everything that God has given me and, and, I, and, I told, and I prayed over that and I said, God, how can I use this today? How can I use that? How can I use this? And I think if you are practical, if you are a practical person, I think this is a, a brilliant thing to do is to just acknowledge the things that God has given you. Because even that one, that, that third um, servant, he was given something and he had an opportunity to use that something for God. He chose not to. God has given us a choice. He's given us something and he's given us a choice. What are you going to, what is your choice today to do with what God has given you? And so as we conclude, and I would like to ask the worship team to go, and we are already over 40 minutes, so the, the song in the background will also help us to, to really finish. But today's question is very important. What are the gifts that God gave you in order for you to minister with them? And again, we need to seek God in order also to understand what He has wired us with. I saw a very interesting news this week about how the oceans are more silent. Uh, some scientists in Vancouver, Canada, they said because of the amount of, um, because the trade dropped so much, so there's not so many amount of ships and planes um, uh, on, in the ocean. Um, and so the, the oceans become silent. And so the scientist says this is an amazing opportunity for us 
to actually hear what's happening in the oceans mm -hmm. and in particular hear what the whales are saying so the article was about how much they want to understand whales now now that they hear better but it's, it was interesting me to see that because human activity ceased then the scientists are able to hear nature and in the same way when our spiral and the lies that sometimes go over our minds when when we are able to silence them or when we are able to silence the noise around us and the, 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 the routine and the business around us and now for example quarantine at least I think it's helping many of us to be more silent be more alone then we are able to hear God better and so we hear God better we understand better how he created and how he wired us and then we put into action and again and here, uh, an example of Mother Teresa when she was asked by a journalist, um, "Does how can you keep going knowing that you will not fulfill all the needs and save all the dying people in Calcutta? And she replied, I'm not called to be successful, I'm called to be faithful. Also with the Lisbon Project, what we do with the hamper bags, we are not able to solve the hunger in Lisbon. We do what we have, and thank God, God has given us uh, with the, the campaign and all that. We given us enough for us to do it for a few months. We don't feed everyone, but we do with what we have. Mm -hmm. But we want to just be faithful with what God has given us, and we hope that today you can take also the time to meditate um, yourself or with your spouse and understand what has God wired you with, and how can you put that into practice. Even in different circumstances, if you are a person of hospitality, if you are a, a people's person, why not using it to keep connected with people um, and so and so and so that you can do. So let's take this time also now to worship the Lord, to um, yeah, align our hearts and our minds with God and, and worship Him for who He is. I just want to add that sometimes we, we, we will do things and we will not see the results, but we are not asked. We are not called to see the results in this life. But all we are called to do, as Pedro has already mentioned, is to be faithful. And there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 that says, 15 verse 58, that says, Therefore, my brothers, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.